0: hello and welcome to sing second sports a great show this week we're going to be joined by class of 98 Uh, basketball player Mike Heary, uh, for his perspective as an alumnus on uh, the basketball season that uh, was just completed. We'll also talk to Coach Ed DeCellis about uh, how he felt about this past season and what he's doing to pass the time down in South Carolina. And we'll also talk to midshipman Tyler Perriton of the lacrosse team. Uh, His season, unfortunately, was drastically affected by the uh, pandemic and uh, was cut short before they really even got into the thick of it, uh, but he did end his season with a five-goal outburst against Colgate. So, uh, as always, I am joined by Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Ward Carroll, um, incredible golfer, class of 82, and uh, top gun aviator. Uh, gentlemen, um, pretty interesting week. Um, kind of an unfortunate week for, for some people of Naval Academy's past, and, and I'm referencing uh, former lacrosse coach, Richie Meade. Wags, you wrote a great article about that. Can you tell us a little bit more?
1: Well, it was interesting. I was uh, talking to another coach who I won't name, another men's lacrosse coach in the collegiate world, about something, and after we got off the phone, he texted me and said, oh, by the way, Furman dropped lacrosse. And I, my immediate thoughts went to Richie Mead, who I consider a friend. During his time in Navy, 17 seasons, I got to know Richie really well. Uh, spent time at his house, you know, got to be friendly with his wife, Sue, know his daughter. So, I mean, I Richie's a, a great person and I consider him a friend. So I wanted to call and express my condolences to Rich and he was pretty beat up. In fact, he was very abrupt when I first called. He said, I'm going to have to call you back. And uh, then he called back and uh, I, you know, I said, is it true? Furman's dropping lacrosse. And he said, yeah, it's true. And I said, well, why? I don't understand this. And he said, well, they're projecting they're going to lose $20 million. And I thought, you know, where are they getting this projection? They, the pandemic hasn't stretched into football season, which is usually a breadwinner. I don't know how much money Furman brings in on football, but I didn't see how whatever has happened to date had led them to lose $20 million. So either way, Richie got very – he's like, look, I don't know the answers. You know, I'm calling – my players and my recruits to tell them that we don't have lacrosse anymore. My wife's giving me a hard time saying that I'm not being, uh, you know, nice enough or or I I guess, um, you know, sympathetic enough, uh, compassionate enough. But anyway, he was definitely broken up and upset. And then, you know, really sad end to an incredible college lacrosse coaching career. I don't know. I asked Richie, I said, do you hope to continue to coach lacrosse? And he said, I hope to stay involved with college athletics, so I think he might be looking at administration at this point in his career, Uh, but Richie, I I wish him the best, and it is sad to see Furman, you know, that was a great thing when Furman added men's lacrosse as a new program. They hired Richie Mead to build the men's lacrosse program from scratch, and now they've given up without really trying, so it's not a good thing for men's lacrosse NCAA-wise.
0: Yeah, it's, it makes you wonder, um, you know, what the other shoe, you know, to drop will be um, with sports and, and programs out there. You know, the, you, again, you're hearing all of these rumors and stories out there about the cost of if there is not a college basketball season, if there is not a major league baseball season, with each with each passing day. Um, you know that with each passing day, you've got more and more. Uh, although, uh, sort of brighter skies on the horizon, states opening up. You know, here and there, and 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 droves of people. Yesterday, I'm sure Ward saw it. Uh, yesterday, the the traffic on Route 50. It was like the pandemic never happened. The the exodus to Ocean City was was ridiculous. But you know, despite. Those clearings of the clouds, you still don't know if Major League Baseball will come back. You still don't know how they're going to do fans in the stands. You've got Gene Smith at Ohio State saying, well, you know, we can seat 40,000 people in in the stadium. You know, the capacity is 80,000, so just half. I I just don't know how they're going to do it.
2: The Furman example is sort of an analog for the fact that all businesses are not created equal with respect to their ability to withstand a pandemic or a downturn in the stock market or whatever. Uh, so, athletic associations are at some level a business. And so, if an athletic association is working on tight margins, let's just say living hand to mouth, um, this sort of perturbation is going to seriously have ill effects as we're seeing. And we've had this conversation on the margins uh, during the last few episodes, as we talk to coaches, I, uh, we look forward to having Chet on the show in the weeks to come and we can ask him straight up um, how much resilience and, and, you know, what, what are the resident effects in the event that football doesn't happen this fall. And, and so we'll see more of this. The other thing, as you mentioned, major league baseball, John is, I happen to watch that golf event with, with Rory and, Ricky and, and DJ and, and Matt Wolf at Seminole last week thinking this is going to be amazing. Right. I was like excited. Um, felt kind of like the the night before the Super Bowl. I'm like, we're going to have live golf tomorrow. And then you watch it and it was just kind of flat, you know, and and uh, by the 12th hole, it was like, I, I really don't care about this. Um, the golf was lackluster. The fact there wasn't a gallery, there was no energy infused. Um, so the idea that we're going to, I guess June 11th is the first real PGA full field event at Colonial. So I have my doubts about the watchability of that um, with no, with no gallery. Um, there was a NASCAR event, which was fine because it's not as much crowd dependent, right? As the cars are raging around, but in, in victory lane where there is no crowd, it was very weird. Uh, it was sort of post apocalyptic as he's like raising the trophy. And it's like this, absence of cheering and, and revelry. Uh, so we're, we're entering, uh, we've used the term uncharted waters many times already, but how this goes is not going to be a linear proposition. And just like with the stores on main street here and and the bars on main street, you can open them, but will people show up, Uh, you know? And, and so, uh, we're going to be having some learnings going forward, even as we try to be forward leaning about the return to, uh, to sport.
1: Well, it's interesting. You talked to Chet Gladchuk, and Navy went through a bit of a uh, financial crisis with the Athletic Association. Uh, Had some debt, and Chet had to make some hard decisions with regard to trimming, uh, spending, cutting some things. Uh, But when you talked to him during that time, he said, by no means ever will we consider cutting sports. And Navy fields more sports than any institution in the country. 32 varsity sports. Obviously, that's tied to the mission, the physical mission of a midshipman have to participate in some sort of physical activity. If they're not a varsity athlete, then they've got to do something, club sports or some other outlet to fulfill the physical mission. But at some point, if this goes on and Navy Athletic Association is hurt financially, then you start to wonder, how do they support 32 sports? There's other i think the university of maryland might have 12 varsity sports or something of that nature it's not even close supporting 32 varsity sports with travel costs etc everything that goes into it paying coaches salaries is a massive massive undertaking and i think if navy athletic association does suffer any hits due to pandemic then They're probably going to have to go back to Big Navy and say, well, if you still want 32 sports here at the Naval Academy in this current situation, financial situation, you may have to pitch in a little bit. Uh, But we're already seeing colleges cutting sports. We mentioned Furman, but they're not the only one. There's schools all over that have already announced they're dropping sports to trim costs and to try to correct their financial situation. So it's going to be interesting to see if Navy can continue to support 32 varsity sports.
2: well, as a guy who's worked in the procurement world, I say good luck with going to Big Navy. Um, that, that that that's going to be a pretty short trip.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, we're going to hear from Tyler Perreton, um, you know, as one of our guests today. But really, you know, it, it goes beyond sports. The kind of paradigm change that's happening out there in that, you know, it, as any you know ROTC grad or Naval Academy grad can tell you that you know, every summer you, you sort of lose part of your summer to summer cruises. And it's, and it's been, you know, said that it's an integral part of your training leading up to your commissioning as a naval officer. Well, you know, with, with the pandemic being what it is, uh, you know, I, I'm frankly kind of amazed and, and shocked that it hasn't made more news that, you know, that there will be no summer cruises for midshipmen. Um, and, and how do you make up for that, uh for that training loss um now it saves the navy tons of money i'm sure i can't even imagine what it costs every summer to send thousands of midshipmen not just from annapolis but from rotc's all over the country uh you know to a, a, a destroyer in yukuska japan to spend three weeks training on a ship so I, i'm 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 interested in how this will evolve i i use the term new normal so much with uh you know, with the uh, pandemic and and what it's causing, but you know, obviously in the sports world, but at the Naval Academy itself, and and if I can interject one last thing, um, you know, before we get to our guests, the, you know, the that change was was resonant this past week, and and, and I know I speak for the rest of the uh, the crew here, and we uh, in congratulating the class of 2020 on their commissioning, and and I really tip the cap to. Uh, the Naval Academy staff uh, for pulling off a really neat thing in Tecumseh court right there in front of Bancroft Hall, commissioning the class of 2020 in five different ceremonies. Uh, The
2: fifth one, John, to your point, the fifth of those five commissioning ceremonies had the blue angels fly over a beautiful visual that the Navy PAO staff uh, put on social media. Uh, it, It gave me chills. So right as they're tossing their covers in the air, the Blue Angels do their fleur-de-lis over Bancroft. It's beautiful. And so bravo to your point. Bravo on orchestrating that.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to take a village uh, you know, from, from Chet to Admiral Buck to uh, the staff. You know, they, they did it very well for the class of 2020. And again, congrats to the class of 2020 on their commissioning we'll find out from from tyler parrot and how uh, uh how the lack of summer training will impact him so we will go to break and when we return we will talk to mike Heary, class of 98 former basketball player stick with us this is sing second sports
3: you're listening to sing second sports with john Schofield, lord carroll and special guest bill wagner of the annapolis capital if you like what you hear Hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at Second. That's at Second. Now back to the pod.
0: Okay, we're back on Sing Second Sports. Thanks for uh, sticking with us. Uh, we are uh, very happy to be joined today uh, by a class of 1998 graduate of the Naval Academy, four-year starter on Uh, The Don DeVoe uh, years of the basketball squad. Mike Heary, Mike, how are you doing today? And uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you're uh, dealing with the pandemic?
4: (laughs) Doing well, John. Glad to finally get on the show here with you. I really want to congratulate you and Chris and Ward on this great endeavor. It's uh, really exciting for Navy athletics. So uh, that's awesome. We've been doing fine. You know, kids are schooling from home, and, uh, you know, we're all just, kind of hunkered down a bit, but it's nice to finally get out a little bit now, play some golf here recently. So, yeah, we're, we're hanging in there pretty good. Yeah. Nice.
0: Well, hey, uh, next segment we're going to be talking to Navy basketball coach um, Ed DeCellis, and we're going to do kind of a year in review of, of how the basketball team uh, did. You have a unique perspective on that as the color commentator on WNAV. Um, we just wrapped the season. We didn't have March Madness, which for you and me I know is one of our mm-hmm. favorite times. Um, the last time Navy went to March Madness, went to the NCAA tournament, those were your teams, 96-97 uh, and 97-98. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about those two games uh, that you played, your junior year and then your senior year, and, uh, and what it was like to guard some pretty special guys who eventually went to the league?
4: Yeah, it was it was uh, a memory of a lifetime for sure. In 1997, we played Utah, and they were the two-seed and actually number one team in the country in the AP poll at the time. And they had Keith Van Horn, Andre Miller, and Mike Doliak. So <laughs> <the> three, <laughs> three uh, veteran NBA players on that squad. And uh, we hung in there. Uh, we lost. It was at University of Arizona's... Um, campus and and arena ironically enough arizona won the national championship that year that's the miles simon mike bibby team that uh won the national championship in 97 and then in uh 98 we topped it off by playing north carolina uh after winning back-to-back patriot league championships we uh played uh that was bill guthridge's first year after dean smith retired so that was vince carter antoine jameson ed coda samad <laughs> williams so we uh we we were a 16 seed. They were a one seed. They went to the final four that year, and ironically enough, lost to Utah, who who went you know obviously again to the tournament, but made it to the national championship game. Utah beat Carolina in the final four and lost to Kentucky in the national championship in '98. So it was um, look th- those are memories. Like I said, for a lifetime, you work your whole life basically from the time my dad gave me a basketball until the moment we went to the NCAA tournament. Those are games that, you know, last forever and the feeling you can't replicate. It's just unbelievable. I'm going to hit you
1: right ho- hard off the bat, Mike. Sounds uh,
4: good, Bill.
2: i expect nothing com- less.
1: This is a conversation I've had with everyone involved with Navy basketball, including Coach Tuchelis, and so I don't think it's – but can Navy ever get back to those days of regular NCAA tournament bursts? I think my opinion is that things have changed in the Patriot League and I think for Navy to expect to be regularly winning the Patriot League and going to the NCAA tournament is not quite realistic. I think being in the upper half of the league should be expected. I think being able to make a run once in a while. But I just – I think the dynamics of the league have changed. And I question whether the Don DeVoe era of going to NCAA tournaments, you know, in multiple times in a short period of time, I'm not sure that that's realistic anymore.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and it's a, one that people talk about a lot with me uh, in particular. Uh, and here, here's my take on it. So, you know, in the mid-90s, in at least the, the four years I played at Navy, it's important to remember we lost to a Colgate team in the Patriot League championship game my freshman year. They had a guy named Tucker Neal, who is arguably one of the best players in the Patriot League, in the history of the Patriot League, and a Donald Foyle, who was a lottery pick. And one of the things I'm real proud of with our team is when Donald Foyle was a junior before he left for the NBA draft, we, we beat Colgate in the semifinals that year to make it to our first Patriot League championship. Donald Foyle's no different than CJ McCollum and no different than Mike Mascala, uh, an NBA player that was playing then, and we were able to, you know, overcome that and win in '98. Uh, We played a team in Bucknell that had a guy named J.R. Holden who ended up playing overseas and actually played for the Russian Olympic team in a quirky sort of way. Americans played on other international teams and played in the Olympics against, um, I think it was the 96 Olympics that he played on. So I think the league top to bottom today is definitely better from 1 to 10. But I I think that the top teams that win the league – are arguably no different than the top teams that have won the league back then. And when you think about some of the players that have played in the league over the years, I think that's the case. So I think Navy, yeah, it's a, it's a better league top to bottom. Um, but I believe that, you know, you get the right mix of players at a place like Navy, and, and, and there's no reason they can't compete in the top half of the league. And they have been in the top half of the league in, in many years under Coach DeCellis. Getting over the hump is something that takes a unique group of players. And I think sometimes what gets lost on folks at the Naval Academy is that it's all sports. It's difficult to win here no matter what the sport is. But getting to that championship level over the hump uh, and, and winning a championship takes some special you know, sauce, so to speak, of unique players with unique traits that play a certain style in a certain way. And I think that sometimes gets, you know, people forget about that. It just doesn't happen automatically. It, it, there's some specialness to I think every team that wins a championship.
2: So, Mike, and maybe this is partly for Wags as well. It strikes me as I watch the games that it's not so much a we need another David Robinson as we need better shooters, right? I mean, we're getting shots off, um, and I don't know what the metrics support Wags. Uh, you know, it doesn't strike me as it's shots on goal is the problem; it's shots made. Um, so, it seems like the scheme works in that we get opportunities, but but then in the crunch. We just don't make the shots. I don't know. Is that an accurate um, sort of summary?
4: Well, I mean, Ward, from my perspective, having watched a lot of the games, I just finished my 10th year doing the color commentating. Um, you know, Coach DeCellis, I, I think, you know, by and large, the players are in the right position to make the right plays. What, what I think people forget about is in the last five minutes of the first half and the last five minutes of the game, that's when players – I believe, tend to win games more than sometimes coaches. Coaches don't want to hear that sometimes. But the reality is I can't tell you how many times in my four years at the end of a game, as great of a coach Don DeVoe was and as a tough of a coach that he was, you know, I would call the play or I would know, hey, this is what we're going to do. That trust of a player being able to say, get on my back and let's go ahead and, and, and get this victory – that's, a, that's players, and that's, you know, it's a combination of recruiting the right guys with the right mentality, and the coaches put those players in the right spot, but you have a, you as a player have to look in the mirror and own up to, hey, this is my opportunity. I don't need coach to run any other plays. we got enough plays. We got to execute, and that's, you know, that combination, that subtle combination of leadership and experience and, you know, being the person that's willing to take the shot and being comfortable with, making it or missing it, but being comfortable with being, you know, kind of being the man.
1: Ward, I'll, I'll just chime in that I do think skill level has been an issue. Coach Decellis has built the program based on defense, rebounding, taking care of the ball, those fundamentals, which is basically saying don't beat yourself and be a tough team. But, I mean, Navy, there's no question, and the, the stats are there, that Navy has not shot the ball all that well. Um, over the course of a season and in games. So, you know, I think one Navy's going to have to get a player like, you know, Mike mentioned C.J. McCollum, Mike mascala y- You do need a difference-maker player at some point, and I think the next Navy Patriot League Championship team is going to be based around some sort of special player because Navy always has nice pieces, but you definitely need that uh, that – Main guy,
0: yeah, for sure. And uh, we're definitely going to hear from Coach Decellis on that uh, on that point here when he joins us after the break. Uh, so stick with us. You are listening to Sing Second Sports.
3: If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available.
0: All right, welcome back to 20 Second Sports. Uh, awesome to be joined today by Navy basketball head coach Ed Decellis. He just completed his ninth season as the head coach of the Mids, his 24th year as a head coach, and his 38th season as a collegiate coach overall. Coach DeCellis has guided Navy to 94 victories over the last six seasons, including 54 wins in league regular season games. This is after the program had totaled only 79 overall wins over the previous seven seasons and 43 victories uh, against league foes in the previous nine years. So a difference maker, a great head coach, a Penn State graduate, former coach of Penn State. Coach Tachellis, thank you for joining Sing Second Sports. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, fellas. Thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, It seems like I spent the last – Eight weeks in front of this computer, and, uh, and trust me, I am not a computer guy. Um, I didn't know what Zoom was or Google Meets uh, seven weeks ago. I had no idea, and now I'm pretty, I don't know, pretty efficient on this pleasure seeing all you, and um, everybody looks healthy.
1: We were just talking about Navy getting over the hump, getting back to winning Patriot League championships, going to the NCAA tournament. Uh, You do have a nice nucleus coming back. Uh, There was a lot of encouraging signs with this group. And you've got some of your, you know, basically you lose Evan Wick. And that's a a big loss because he was a great leader. But uh, you have some nice parts coming back. Can you talk to what your roster makeup will be next season? And do you feel good about the returning talent?
5: Thanks, Bill. Great to see you. I feel good about our team. We we probably, not probably, we have had the most productive spring going into the summer that I've had in nine years, other than the major thing, which is skill work on the court. Um, We've had great uh, calls with our players uh, constantly. We've had great uh, Zoom calls with our players. We've had uh, team uh, get-togethers. We've had team-building sessions which I think have been really important for us. Uh, we've had former players on our calls talking about their experience and, and so forth. So we've had a good connection this past spring. Uh, I really like our team. I think we're gonna be a good team. Uh, and I say that to you in the end of May, and I, as you know, I'm not the one that boasts. Cam Davis was uh, named captain of our team. Cam just done a good job this spring with our guys on these calls like we are doing. We have watched more tape with our players in the last month than we've ever watched because they have time. And and we just finished up another session yesterday. So uh, I think they fully understand offensively some of the things that we need to do, uh, improve on, and do much better. Uh, We'll start the defensive side of things. next week after they get into their classes. So sitting here today, I, I, feel, I feel good about our squad. Everybody's returning. Even Evan Wick was on the call last week, really pumping up the players, talking about how special this year could be for, for our, our, our team. So everybody has been very, very positive this spring, other than obviously we haven't been able to get on the court with him.
1: Well, obviously uh, Cam Davis was an all-league player, John Carter Jr., uh, he, he had a frustrating season in some ways with uh, shooting the ball, but we know he's a very talented player, and I expect him to bounce back and be better as a junior. So there's some nice parts on the perimeter. Uh, who do you envision being able to give you some scoring, some offense in the post,
5: Ed? Well, I'm, we're hoping the young guy had, a, uh, had some good moments for us as is, is, is Daniel Deaver. And then he he uh, about the last uh, half of the half of the of the conference season, I'd say from uh, first of February on, he got sick, uh, had to, had the flu really bad for over a week or so, ten days, lost weight, lost energy, and it wasn't the he wasn't the same guy that he was earlier. Um, uh, I think he's going to be able to provide some scoring for us. Can shoot threes. Really good passer on the perimeter. Uh, really good ball skills. You know he's not a he's not a uh, high flying guy inside. You know he's not a, a he's not going to play over people. He's going to shoot the ball. He's going to be crafty. He's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to make free throws. I think Richard Njoku can can do that as well. Richardson now he's an inside dude. I mean he's uh, ten feet and in. He's not a perimeter guy. that's going to shoot threes, but I think he has a physicality. We can play differently there, and I think we'll move Luke Lair back inside some, uh, and and be able to use his talents by, like Dever, um, spreading the floor. You got to play him. You got to play Deaver on the perimeter. Again, he's a good passer. He can we can run some more dribble handoffs things. We can throw the ball in the post. Hopefully, he can get fouled, and hopefully, he can make free throws this year. Um, which I think he can. So I think we're going to be okay there. We like one of the freshmen coming in from uh, – a direct kid coming in from Georgia, Jacob Radiker, 6'8", 6'9". Uh, we really think he's a skilled young guy It's going to help us as, as well in terms of a new guy at that position. And then we got some guys that, uh, you know, are undersized, but we think we can take advantage of their abilities. So uh, throwing the ball in the post, Najoku Deaver – and probably Luke Lair.
2: Coach, it's great to have another member of the class of 82 on the show to impart some wisdom to the kids here. Um, (laughs) So thanks for that. Uh, We've been asking the other coaches sort of how they're framing their potential going into fall semester against the COVID-19 environment. So as you're thinking about it, what are some of the tripwires you're going to have to see as, as this thing evolves?
5: Well, you know, our our players are very anxious to to get back in the gym, and some of them, since they're all over the country, have have been able to get back in the gym, and Cam Davis being one of them, uh, Greg Summers down in Florida being one of them, Uh, other kids are trying to poke their heads in, a a freshman named Pat Dorsey has been trying to poke his head in the gym in North Carolina, and Jalen Walker down in Texas, and so we've had some guys that they're trying to do that um we we've been pretty extensive in terms of zoom calls with their workouts our strength and conditioning coach Brandon Spade has been on our on our guys weekly uh doing different things uh doing uh different lifting uh without weights because they couldn't get to a weight room with body weights and things they got laying around the the garage and so forth we call them, uh, you know, cell workouts where they're push-ups, sit-ups, all that stuff, try to keep themselves going. Now the gyms are opening up, so now he's got different workouts for the guys. So that, that part, I think, will, will take care of itself. You know, for me as a coach, this is a skill game. You know, it's like a, it's like a guy who hasn't putted for, for eight, you know, 10, 12 weeks and all of a sudden goes to the putting green and starts putting. It's just not the same. So we got to get our guys back in the gym somehow when it's safe, when they're allowed to get back into the gym, uh, you know, that's the first thing we talk about is, is uh, you, you know, you've got to be safe. And um, uh, you've got to listen to your parents, too. You know, we've had some things open up and, uh, where their parents said, Coach, we just don't feel you know, comfortable with them going back into the gym yet. And I, got, I, I totally agree. So you, you, have to, you have to feel a certain comfort level as well. Um, our kids will work really hard. Uh, we, we've got a good group, we've got a committed group. So whenever the Academy says, Hey, we can get back, whether that's reform August 15th or whatever it may be, our kids will be ready to go. The staff will be ready to go We're, you know, we're just excited to get to see their faces again, you know, in person and, uh, and get back on the court with them. Cause we got, we got some work to do. Uh, so time will tell, time will tell how this whole thing, uh, uh, plays out in the end.
4: Hey, Coach, it's uh, Mike Heary. Good to hear your
5: voice. Always a pleasure. I love your background.
4: Yeah, I figured I'd do that for you, a little alumni hall. And yeah,
5: you know, flowers. the, the flowers, the trees, the cherry blossoms, <laughs> everything's great. Exactly, exactly. No crying on the yacht, Harry. No crying on the yacht.
4: <laughs> well, this is unique. I, I I usually don't get to ask you any questions. It's always Pete Medhurst asking you the questions. So, um, I, I just had one question for you. That, you, know, you know, over nine years here at, at the Naval Academy and any service academy, it's, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of ways kids are pulled in all these different directions. With the summer coming up and the summer schedule being very different, in a, in a unique sort of way, could this, as bad as this situation has been, could this situation actually allow the guys to do even more from a basketball perspective than they maybe have ever been able to do in the summer, thus allowing you guys to maybe be further along, you know, than you have in years past going into next season?
5: Well, it's just, you know, we're we're, we're trying to see if and when, to um, be quite honest with you, the, can they return at any time on their own over the summer? Okay, yesterday, the NCAA sort of said that football and basketball can can come back June 1 uh, if their campuses are willing, if their community allows it, so forth, state regulations and so forth. So, I, you know, I had four or five texts yesterday from guys, Coach, are we allowed to come back now. We'll stay with our sponsors. We just want to get in the gym and start working out. And the answer, you know, is, is – you know, unfortunately it's a no right now because that's not where we are at the Academy and or the state of Maryland. So, um, you know, Mike, we, we just keep giving those guys things to do on their own. Um, I'd say half of them can get into a gym. I'm hoping, you know, by the end of June, maybe that the most guys can get into a gym somewhere and, and do some things. Um, don't know if they'll be able to come back and work out at Halsey or not. You know that that'll be a that'll be an ongoing thing with our administration to see if and when kids, student athletes, can come back and work on their skill. I know we are. Uh, I know we are a better uh, team in terms of cohesiveness. I think we were pretty good last year. Wick did a great job, as as Bill mentioned earlier, but. I think we spent so much time in the last eight weeks on this computer with each other. We've had um, small group meetings, we've had large group meetings, we've had individual meetings, we've had film. The film breakdowns have been unbelievable because uh, guys just don't understand at times. And we were a young team. We, We had freshmen and a lot of sophomores playing and a lot of freshmen, one senior and really two juniors played. Luke and uh, Cam, and then everybody else was freshmen and sophomores. So the freshmen and sophomores really got a taste of, of uh, film breakdown here in the last several weeks and and saw what they did well and saw what they didn't do well. Um, and one of the things that we came away with is, you know, fellas, we have to make one-foot shots. I mean, you got to finish around the basket. We, we got to make open baskets and open shots. and. Okay, how do you do that? Well, it's repetition, and so we're relying on them now in the spring, in the early summer now to get out there and, and do repetition. Uh, a lot of our guys are going to outdoor courts, Mike. Believe it or not, like no one <laughs> plays on outdoor court anymore, so they're wide open. So we got guys out there, out there playing and and practicing and pivoting and and shooting on the outdoor courts, which I which I think is great because that's you know it's how we grew up and. Uh, yeah. So I I'm hoping I'm hoping that I know this much. I know they're 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 gonna be a tight knit team. Uh I know that, I see that, I feel that, I, I see their their tweets with each other, they have phone calls with each other constantly. So, you know, but it's a skill game. And and if you can't get into the gym on a regular basis and and shoot the skill that we need, you know, that that's challenging. So I just hope whenever we can come back, um, you know, we'll we'll be ready to go, and the guys will be ready to work, and and uh, and who knows what's going to happen? Who knows what the season's going to uh, on how it's going to unfold? Um, you know, there's been a lot of different scenarios thrown around regarding scheduling, whether we play you know play the full schedule, you know, we don't play non-conference, we just play conference, and you know, there's a million different scenarios out there, and and we'll see how this this whole. Uh, you know, virus uh, responds in the fall, uh, which will affect all of us.
4: You know, we hear about Coach Ken out in uh, Hawaii, but I know you gotta, you're, you've you're been quarantined in South Carolina, so uh, yeah. maybe we just move all these games down south where it's yeah. it was, uh,
5: You know, it, it's been good. It's been, uh, I learned how to play chess. Um, right. My wife and I, uh, uh, we, we bought a chess set weeks ago, and uh, so we've learned how to play chess. She's better than I am. <laughs> My, uh, I can't focus long enough to sit there. Um, but uh, it's been good for her and I. Uh, we haven't seen our kids, which is hard, like everybody else. We haven't seen our grandkids. We do all this stuff through the Internet, um, which, is, which is fine. Um, I've gotten a lot of work done. Uh, I, I bet I've read um, – I know I've read six to eight books um, and some of them pretty interesting stuff uh, watched a lot of webcasts, you know, the whole NABC thing, all the final four was shut down. So they put all these clinics on the uh, web. So, uh, you know, the staff and I, we watched those just to get some, you know, some different ideas, some freshness, do some things maybe differently. Uh, so that's been good. So it's been, uh, it's been very, very productive. Um, at first, uh, you know, it took me a while to get used to this. Um, but once we got the hang of it, it's uh, it's amazing how much you can get done, not in the office, but but somewhere else. Um, you know, our office is, is the basketball court. And if you can't go there, uh, you know, you got to try to figure out other ways how to make your team better.
0: So, Coach, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll ask you one last question before we let you go and, and really appreciate you making the time today. But uh, really one of the most special moments for me uh, when I was there is the PAO is uh, putting – Coach Tom Izzo and my Honda Accord, and and driving him around Annapolis uh, for the first year of the uh, of the Veterans Classic. Uh, I, I I know I'm not alone in thinking that it is absolutely an incredible event that has been brought to Annapolis, not just to the Naval Academy, uh, but to the town, and to to be able to show other coaches and programs what the Naval Academy is and educate them about what your players go through and what the entire brigade goes through uh, is a really special thing. And, and again, teams like Michigan State, Florida, North Carolina, Temple, Maryland, Ohio State, um, I- incredible programs come to campus. Can you just tell us how the Veterans Classic started and then what teams you're looking at getting uh, into that Veterans Classic event in the future?
5: When I first arrived, you know the aircraft, the aircraft games were were a thing. They were holding these outdoor uh, games on the on the aircrafts out in San Diego and, and Jacksonville, and um, I, I just couldn't believe that at the Naval Academy there are ships and and we weren't you know we're part of all that and we weren't invited to 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 do any of that kind of stuff or be part of that. So I was I was taken back by that somewhat. Um, so I went down to visit with Chet and said you know, have we ever been contacted in regard to playing in one of these events on one of the carriers? And, you know, he didn't think so. Um, he said the, those Billy was there at the time, but he didn't think we'd ever been approached by that. And and then uh, when I talked to some of the executives running those things at, at ESPN and CBS, they they were kind of indicating to me they were going to move away from those those events because of the weather and being obviously outside and really couldn't control that and they spent a lot of money putting those things together and getting teams there if if, in a chance that wouldn't go uh, they wouldn't play the game so I asked Chet if if we could would he support us trying to do this event so we met him and I met along with Eric Rudin and some of the other administrators on what we would how we would do it and what we would put together and so when Chet said hey go let's go ahead and give it a shot let's see if we can if you think we, we you know we can pull this off let's let's try to do it so you know, you call in some favors, you know, and one of the first ones was his and, and, uh, and to Tommy. And I said, look, I need you to do this for me and do this for the Academy. And, and so um, he's been a good friend. And, and, and so he said, I, you know, okay, I'll, I'll come in and do that. And uh, heck, when I was a head coach at East Tennessee state, I called him and I needed a home game to make some money. And so he came down and played and we sold out the place because we didn't have any money. And so he, he's that kind of guy I mean he he's a good friend and when he can help he helps and so you know I I knew we needed to kick it off John with a, with a splash I knew we needed to and so that was the biggest splash I thought we could get and um, so I thought that was a tremendous and then we were able to you know uh, and, and we didn't have a whole lot to offer like so this was the first time we ran it and you know, I said, Tom, we don't have any money. I mean, you know, to give you like, because these guys can go play these big CBS, ESPN events for a lot of money. And he said, Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. And so, um, so the contract was basically come and play, and you know, we're going to give you a, uh, uh, I think it was a, uh, a sub after the game to go home, and that and that was really it. And so, the following year when I got. Coach Williams was right down the street from me here in, in, uh, in, in South Carolina. And so I'd walk in the morning with him and start to twist his arm a little bit. And then I said, coach, I, I'm going to give you the exact same contract I gave Izzo. It'll be fair. It's exact same thing. He goes, that's eh, fine. If it's good enough for Tom, it's good enough for me. So when he got the contract, there's nothing in it. He goes, you told me you're going to give me the same. I said, I did. I'm giving you a hoagie just like I gave Izzo. And, um, so those two guys were really important. And then, you know, Thad, and then we had Billy Donovan, and I talked to Billy about it. So I was calling in all my favors, John, uh, to get that thing off and running. And uh, I thought we did a pretty good job, and it's a good event. Uh, its i got to be honest with you. It's becoming harder because of the leagues have expanded to 20 league games. So the Big Ten, the ACC, Southeast Conference now, the Big 12 – Atlantic 10, everybody's going to 20 league games. Plus they have, you know, the Big Ten ACC Challenge and the Gavit games and made-for-TV games. So it's, it's, it's gotten harder to, uh, to get people to commit. And then, and i got to be honest with you, this year um, it's been challenging. We're, we're trying to finalize it as we speak because of athletic directors don't want to take home games off their campuses. You know, they need the revenue. And they're really concerned about the revenue. So we, I, I you know, I can't even tell you to the right now exactly who it's going to be because we we've had a flux of we had a thing set and then it fell apart because of this thing sorta, um, and so we're we're still putting it all together again to try to make it work. So that's something we do on a daily basis. Myself, Eric Rudin, and, and Best Barnes of CBS, we, we we talk just about every day on teams, and we're calling teams and so forth. So just when you think you have it done, you know, uh, something happens to that school and now they can't, they can't afford to travel. So I hope it's been, I know it's been a good event for the campus and the community. We hope to keep the thing going, but I can tell you it's been a little more challenging this year than it ever has trying to secure the teams and and get them locked up.
0: Uh, That's totally understandable. And um yeah it just having those teams on campus i can tell you from personal experience has meant the world to the staff to the faculty to the students um and and it's really a credit to you and the athletic department for making that happen that's special um so um i really appreciate you joining us uh thank you again uh for for uh coming on the podcast with sing second sports We wish you good luck down there in South Carolina and continued health, and uh, hopefully we see you on campus again very soon.
5: You guys stay safe. Great seeing everybody.
0: All right. uh, That was Coach Ed DeCellis. Awesome for him to join us. Really good information, and uh, hopefully uh, the upcoming basketball season um, happens. Uh, But – if it does happen hopefully it's a successful one it, it sounds like the future is bright for the program so stick with us uh we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll finish up with uh mike Perry. this is sing second sports mm-hmm.
3: you're listening to sing second sports with john Schofield, ward carroll and special guest bill wagner of the annapolis capital if you like what you hear hit like below and share with your classmates and friends let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at Second. That's at Second. Now back to the pod.
0: All right, we're back. Mike, if you can kind of expound a little bit on, you know, what you've seen with the team uh, and in your role as not only a, a very decorated alumnus of the program, but now as the color commentator for WNAV, um, a little bit about what you saw in the team last season, Um, you know, the the ups and downs, how they performed in league play, and then really I'd be interested in your perspective. Uh, the trip down to Charlottesville uh, to see a pretty a pretty athletic UVA team that they played against uh, in December, um, yeah. So it, a little bit of your perspective on that.
4: Absolutely, John. The the team, I think, again, you know, Coach mentioned it. Um, you know, they were a younger group. You know, only having one senior, when we, when we talked earlier about, you know, what it takes to win at a school like the Naval Academy and the Patriot League, you know, not having a veteran group, you know, really kind of, I think, hurts you when you're playing, you know, in the league night in and night out. I think that the team, you know, I think it's got more talent and and maybe uh, across the board in, in, in key spots and and... And, and a better basketball IQ than they probably had in a few years. I mean, John Carter had that sort of stereotypical sophomore slump. Greg Summers got, I think, uh, better and better as the season went on, and I think he's only going to get better. Cam Davis has a chance to be first-team all-league and, and could average 20 points a game in conference play uh, next year. And I think that uh, Daniel Deaver, Luke Lair, and Richard Njoku are – are three kind of interchangeable good big men pieces that if any of those guys can give them close to 10 points and, or the combination of those guys, maybe 15 and 10 or something like that, that that'll be a big thing for the team. So I I think the future is bright again. I just think it's from what I've observed over my time, you know, especially in Ed's era is, is just getting over that hump, getting, you know, past that semifinal game in conference tournament play um, making the key plays down the stretch, you know, sometimes we've been able to do it. And other times, you know, we just have not been able to make enough winning plays at the right moments. And that's what a championship team has to do.
2: So Mike, that, that comes back to uh, the, how do we do that piece? And it strikes me based on what Wag said before we got coach on the show it's a recruiting issue. Um, so let's just say one signature, one marquee player um, is maybe, quote, unquote, all we need. Do we have the means to do that in the current intercollegiate basketball environment?
4: I love WAGs, and, and, and I don't know that I would 100% agree that we, we need to have one marquee player. Our teams didn't have one marquee player. I mean, Hassan Booker and myself and a few of the other key role players really did a good job. I think what we need to have is just, there's, you know, a little extra edge, if you will, playing with edge and toughness inside, you know, who's that guy that, you know, if you went into a bar and you said the wrong thing to somebody would have your back and fight for you, you know, not that you'd ever do that. Right. But that's, I think we don't have that kind of presence inside sometimes. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to see a hard foul every now and again. Now, I'm a bit old school. I sound like I've been watching the last dance too much. But the reality is, is like, I think that it may not be a marquee player. It's the pieces of a tough-as-nails guy, a guy that can shoot it, or a couple guys that can shoot it, a point guard. You know, I played with a point guard named Brian Walker, who played in high school, in Marion High School in Indiana. Jay Edwards went to that high school, other great players in Indiana. He played in high school basketball in Indiana is like playing, you know, in the ACC sometimes, right? So we just, I think, need pieces of guys that come from cultures and programs that all kind of mesh together. And I don't know
1: that we need the next David Robinson to, to get it done. Well, I don't think there's going to be another David Robinson, but you mentioned yourself and Hassan Booker, and I don't know that Navy's seen a player like either of you in quite some time. So. I mean, I think you made your own point. You both were very special players on the same team, one inside, one outside, and with a great point guard to set both of you up. And I haven't seen that combination at Navy in a while.
4: Yeah, it's weird, Wags. Like, when you think about there was a year, I think it was was the Michigan State game. Worth Smith, you know, I think was a senior on that team for that Michigan State game. You know, he came direct. Now – if he had gone to Naps, and Naps wasn't really up then because you know Billy Lang didn't really utilize Naps in the same way Coach DeCellis has tried to utilize Naps. If Worth Smith had gone to Naps, just like Hassan Booker went to Naps, the following year, Worth Smith's playing on a team with Will Kelly, Tillman, Dunbar. I believe that would be the roster. So it's a weird dynamic because it's the timing of – I mean, it's like Ed has had the right pieces – the timing just hasn't worked out right either because they didn't go to Naps or here. I'm not making excuses for him, but I think he's had guys, it's just getting them at that right two- to three-year moment in time, which is what is, is critical.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. And, uh, before I let you go, uh, number one, really appreciate you, uh, joining us. Um, you know, maybe, uh, down the line, we can, we can bring you back on and and sort of do a Mike Heary Fredonia, New York last dance (laughs) special. Yeah. The, that night in December, 1993, when you dropped 62 points on a team, I'll close it out by saying, number one, you were a phenomenal basketball player. Um, you know, obviously, but also a great golfer. Um, probably a lot of people don't know that you're the 2018 Naval Academy Golf Club Club champion. Um, so we, we talked to Billy uh, during the first episode of, of this pod. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, what are you hearing on the golf course reno- renovation? And, and have you been able to get out on the golf courses now that Maryland's opened back up?
4: Yeah, I have, John, a little bit. And um I've walked the new course and let me tell you, it's incredible. The layout is going to be really special. Um, at some point, Wags, you're going to have to do a little, little montage or article um, when it's all done because I, I think that, that the course will be, in my opinion, a top 100 division one college golf course in the country. I mean, up there with the Oklahoma States and all the other, you know, great golf course programs in the country all of us are chomping at the bit to play it because it's in impeccable shape and it, it just makes you want to get out there and play. It's just so beautiful. Um, so that's a real feather in the cap to, you know, Chet and the private donors that that provided the money to fund an amazing renovation. And, uh, yeah, look, anytime you need me to come on here, I'd love to do it. And, again, I, I really congratulate you and Chris and, and Ward, John. This This is going to be, I think, a tremendous, tremendous endeavor seeing second sports has a bright future and it's 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 awesome
2: of course talking Whoa, of course reno of course talking of course reno mike is scary long so the idea of a 210 yard par three from the whites <laughs> is not prohibitive to him
4: <laughs> yeah I, I had a i joked with billy hurley and i we were texting and we were talking about number the new number 12 and he joked with me i was i were joking about like this is going to be a tough shot blah, blah, blah. he's like just hit a little, a little shot over that left bunker and watch it trundle right out of the green. And I was like, true from a professional that, you know, it makes it look easy, right? No one trundles better than Mike Heary. Um,
0: and, and I can tell you that that golf course is is going to be in jeopardy with the, uh, with the classic Schofield short game, as Mike Heary remembers. So. <laughs> well, hey, Mike, um, I, uh, I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. And, and we can't wait to have you back.
4: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate
0: it. That was Mike Heary, again, 1998 graduate. We'll be right back after this break. This is Sing Second Sports.
3: If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available.
0: student guest this week um, is Tyler Perriton. Tyler just completed his junior year at the Naval Academy and is a member of the uh, lacrosse team. Tyler's from Crofton, Maryland, and graduated from the Severn School in 2016. Uh, you heard Mike uh, talking in the last segment about, about NAPS. Tyler attended the Naval Academy Prep School and arrived in 2017. His junior year was abbreviated, unfortunately, by the COVID crisis, but uh, before it ended, he exploded for five goals and two assists and a very big win over Colgate. He is a quantitative economics major, and we're extremely happy to have him on board. Tyler, how are you doing?
6: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: Very good. Hey, um, before I kick it to, uh, to Bill Wagner, uh, let me just ask you, how, how have you handled the, uh, the pandemic? Uh, how have you been you know, spending your time? And, and what have you heard? I'm pretty interested
5: uh-huh. in,
0: in what midshipmen have been told in terms of summer training. Do you have a uh-huh. summer training plan? Yeah. Are you going to do a cruise? How
6: are they handling mm-hmm. that? So they pretty much, they canceled all cruises. So I'm doing plebe summer this summer. And so like everyone's taking summer school. So I will start taking summer school starting Tuesday. And I'll take that till July 17th. And then July 15th, I go to the academy to quarantine for two weeks. And then I'm doing third block plebe summer platoon commander. So then I'll go into that. So then a bunch of people don't have trainings. They canceled a lot of them. So then they're just taking summer school this summer.
1: Well, I'll jump in here. Uh, I'll always remember this. The last live in-person interview I did with the Naval (laughs) Academy athlete was Tyler. Uh, Mm -hmm. He had had that big game, seven points against Colgate, a great win for Navy, very positive. And I thought this is a perfect time to roll out a Tyler Perriton feature. He's a local kid. That's a very interesting story because, and I don't think Tyler would mind me saying, he was on the verge of getting cut from the lacrosse team prior to his sophomore season. Uh, And then new coach Joe Amplo came in and saw some things in Tyler, which uh, some intangible elements of, of his game that he thought Really, he needed to be on the field, and I think that Tyler has proven Joe Amplo's opinion <laughs> correct early in the season with what he did. Um, obviously, Tyler, that, that just a, was an abrupt end. We were out at Navy mm-hmm. Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. You were on spring break. You were doing that you know, extended skills camp, <laughs> yeah. uh, as Coach Amplo called it. Um, just I don't know how you react to that, and uh, thank God you can come back and play another year, but mm-hmm. you're – seniors you know the Ryan Kearns and the Brad Alexanders they don't get to come back and I, I just wanted to get your thoughts
6: yeah you feel so bad for them it's just like the last year it's like the last ride or whatever and you like just show up to practice every day and like they're so happy to be there you're so happy to be with them it's like that's your best friends you've been through three years with them and just to have it like end so abruptly like you're getting it's spring break and you're getting to play Hawkins and like everyone's beyond ecstatic like so excited like haven't played them like I've never played them before they played them their freshman year and it's like The atmosphere is good like nobody knows what's really gonna happen then just like we walk out of practice one day and just boom like done and there's all like all these what ifs like can we still play army we might still be able to play hopkins and like the week goes on and on and just like next you know it's like guys that's it and like we show up thinking we're gonna get like one last like blue and gold scrimmage against each other and like we're ecstatic for it like the last like time we'll be able to like play lacrosse together and then like nope can't even do that either and so like we show up and like the coaches talk and like you see the emotions just pour out of everyone, but like, it was just, like, dead silent in, like, the football locker room up there, and, like, you people, like, laying on the ground just, like, speechless. Like, what do you do now? It was just, like, it was a tough time seeing everybody leave like that. And just, like, obviously you see tears, and, like, you just don't know what's going to happen.
1: You know, I was talking to Coach Amplo, I did a little season wrap, okay. and I was curious from his perspective. I mean, it's a difficult first year as a coach. They had mm-hmm. no-row virus, which canceled the Maryland. Yeah. Game, which mentioned a a big game that you really look forward to. And then then next thing you know, the whole season's canceled. But I was surprised Coach Amplow was remarkably positive and thought that a lot of progress was made here in his first year because mm-hmm. he's been here since June. He yeah. thought a lot of progress was made. Do you agree with that? And do you think that the stage is set for some success?
6: Yeah, definitely. Like, once you, you're trying to feel like the coaches show up, and you're trying to get a feel for them, they're trying to get a feel for you, like us as a team, and, then, like, once, like, the winter rolled around, like, you get you like, that feeling or whatever. Like, they get excited. We get excited. And, like, we look at the guys on the team, like, returning back. And, like, we decided, like, we met yesterday as, like, a culture meeting. And it was, like, it's the 2021 season. Like, we did, like, the virtual award ceremony yesterday for all the seniors and, like, handed out the awards. And, like, all the seniors logged off. And it's, like, guys, it's go time. And it's, like, we have a unique opportunity this summer, I think. It's, like, this is the first time, I think, in, like, what, Naval Academy history, like, look, trainings are all canceled. So, like, we can bring our sticks. You can have your stick in your hand all summer. because, like when you go on summer cruise, you're not bringing your stick with you. And that's like a whole month, three weeks without like playing lacrosse, like shooting, playing wall ball or anything. And so like we're looking at this as like an opportunity like for us, like what other colleges get to like have their sticks in their hands the whole summer. Like this is our time to finally like work on our stick skills and like even implement because we were having lacrosse camp because our stick skills is something we need to work on. And like, that's what we need to make our most improvement in. And we're just looking at this like opportunity right now and like we're excited about it. Time to get better.
2: Well, that's a cool uh, attitude, Tyler. Um, So I, like WAGs, let me second uh, the sense that losing the season after that Colgate game is a bummer. I was in the stands with some of my local posse, including a retired three-star classmate, um, former ship boss, and we all commented like, it's back. You know, Mm -hmm. we watched you light it up. Um, Whatever had been missing in previous years, that secret sauce was back, and we were very excited about watching how this unfolded this year and, and, it, and it was stolen from us by COVID-19. Um, but I love your attitude about using the downtime for practicing stick skills and you know, always being upbeat. That's what motivates us on the show here is hearing you and your classmates and other mm-hmm. midshipmen talk about, this is not something that we're gonna sit around and mope about, yeah. uh, we're gonna use it to our advantage. So if we could circle back, because some of what we've talked to the firsties about is how they dealt with distance learning for the balance of second semester, what their program was for the quintiles about commissioning week, and then when they were headed to their accession sources. In fact, both of the mids that we've talked to, both of the grads now, uh, ensigns, newly caught ensigns we've talked to are gonna be uh, NFOs headed to Pensacola. Um, So you mentioned that uh, getting your gear uh, was a was a hassle. What what were the details of going through that process?
6: Uh, so you had to like show up at seven thirty and like get your temperature checked and like make sure like they asked you if like have you been quarantined and have you been around anybody who's had it and you're like no no and like you're there at seven thirty and it's like they're only allowed four people in like a company area at a time so only four people on deck and like you're just by yourself just like lugging all these like awkward things like your fans like your air mattresses and stuff I don't know all sorts of stuff and like your TVs your computers and you're like Bringing it down, and it's just like one trip at a time. And like, I live on third deck, so three, three, and like, it's a lot of stairs going up. And like, I'm sweating, and like, my mom's like, What are you doing? You're taking forever. I'm like, Mom, I'm sorry. Give me a second. And like, we had to take two cars and stuff. So it was a pain. And like, it's sad because like, moving out, like, you usually get to see everyone, say goodbye to your friends and stuff. But like, there's like, three other people on the deck, and like, they're in different like classes and ranks and stuff. So you're just like walking by saying hi. They don't want you touching anyone. And then you're wearing the mask, and like, I'm sweating through mine. Like, I can't breathe. And it was a
2: pain. Yeah. I was a four three guy. So I can relate yeah. to, uh, to that trip. Um, we've talked on the show also about what's evolving in terms of pleep summer. And it's interesting. You're going to be a third set detailer, third block detailer, um, second set. Um, because I think as pleep summer evolves, it's going to inform what we do for reform and into first semester. And we were just talking to coach about what are the trip wires of, getting a season to happen. And it's kind of what we've talked to every coach about. What are, how are they feeling about the existence of, of a, a season going forward? So um, what we know is Plebe Summer has slid one week. And, and as you said, they're going to go into quarantine.
6: Mm-hmm. And then
2: you get to go into quarantine when yeah. you show up. Um, so I guess they're just going to put a big sarcophagus around the whole thing. Um, and, and nobody comes in, nobody goes out. Um, so how are you feeling uh, about working in that environment and then what are you hearing about the what what the potential is for a real reform and getting out of the distance learning kind of world
6: as far as i know right now like everyone's coming back august 15th and then so like the Boy Please summer's working they're like instead of like putting all of it in like one side of Bancroft, everyone's like going to be in their own company so like we will be like i'll be where i live during the academic year and all the plebes will be where they're living the academic year just trying to like split us up and stuff and they're bringing in a couple like, extra detailers per set to like, just try to be more cautious and things like that. And so I think it's going to be fine. Like World quarantine for the two weeks. I know Major Etinelli is excited to get out of it, get the boys working out and everything, all the guys and gals. So like, it, I think it'll be fine. I'm worried a little bit just like, being around it all because it's, like, it's a lot of people and like, you never know if a second wave is going to hit. But at like, some point it's like I'm ready to rock and I'm just trying to get back out there. want to see everyone again.
2: So are you allowed to go on Liberty and that sort of thing while, while you're being a detailer?
6: That I don't know yet. There's been no word passed down about that. And like, especially with the two week quarantine, am I going to be allowed to like leave my room go down to like King Hall and eat? So all that's still being worked out. I think I haven't really heard much word about that.
0: Well, Tyler, uh, we really appreciate you uh, joining us. Um, I, I know I speak for the rest of the Sing Second crew here that, that your attitude is infectious. It's fantastic. And, and uh I know that um, you're a great representative, not only of the lacrosse team, but of the brigade itself. Um, so uh, we wish you good luck for the rest of the summer. And, you know, as you're pushing the plebes in, you know, in the latter parts of the summer, mm-hmm. uh, stay healthy and, um, and, and we wish you the best.
6: Sweet. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you.
0: All right. That was Tyler Perriton of the uh, Naval Academy lacrosse team. Fantastic show this week. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation with, uh, with Mike Erie and Coach DeCellis about the basketball program. And again, what a great attitude by uh, midshipman, first class, Tyler Parrotton, Um, you know, about how he's been handling this and, and the future for lacrosse.
1: Great interviews. Always enjoy catching up with the coaches and athletes. It's fun because, you know, I'm used to doing that on a regular basis and I'm missing it. So it was great to hear Coach DeCellis' voice. Great to see Tyler Perreton. Uh So, no, very fun.
2: Uh, for me, I'm always motivated by the attitude of the mids we've talked to. And, again, in Tyler's uh, sort of approach to the summer opportunities and the way forward, it's just motivating. So uh, very much enjoyed
0: it. Uh, really appreciate uh, you listening to sing second sports this week and we all wish you the best of health we hope that you come back and join us next week Uh, we're going to talk to uh, coach Nicolau of the uh, of the water polo squad and have some other guests so come back and join us this is sing second sports out